Like I said, my name is Sam. Uh, I've been on staff here for about three years, and the first part of that, um, I was the next-gen pastor, overseeing everything that we do for kids and students, uh, and that's where I got introduced to Baby D, and then um, recently, I've been asked to, to step into uh, some of the adult world as well, so I, I get to see, uh, oversee what we do for kids and students, and a little bit of what we do for adults. Not all of it, I'm not an adult yet, so they don't trust me with all of that, just a little bit. Um, but I, one of the things I get to keep doing is baby dedication as the family discipleship pastor, and I love that. I love my job. I love coming to work here. I love the way I get to see people's lives changed here. But when I'm not here, I'm at home, usually with my wife and my four children. Um, we have four kids, 11 to 5. Um, they are amazing and a handful all at the same time. We are really looking forward to this week of spring break. I don't know if you guys are, but we've got some plans to just spend some time together to hang out. Um, and I love doing that. I love spending time with my family. But when I'm not here and I'm not with my family, you can probably find me somewhere in the mountains. I love to go mountain biking, I love to go uh, fishing, I'm learning to fly fish, um, I love to go hiking, I love to um, hunt. Uh, in fact, I've just recently picked up hunting, and, I, and I'm determined this year to shoot a turkey. Some of you may be offended by that, it's okay. It's really, I mean, you eat one every year at Thanksgiving, don't pretend like you don't, all right? I'm just getting it fresh, all right? But here's the thing, right? I really want to go get a turkey this year. And so last Friday, I had the day off, and so I went to the Department of Wildlife, and I said, hey, look, I need some help here because I am going to get a turkey. And, and what you don't know is that there's a little bit of a competition here on staff because uh, there's a certain individual here. His name is Brian. He's a good friend of mine. And it took Brian like three years to get his first turkey, and I'm determined to beat him, Right? <laughs> It's, it's not unhealthy at all, I promise. <clears throat> and so, um, but I'm determined to get a turkey. So I talked to him, I said, hey, look, where are the birds? Like, you, you just got to help me out here. Where, where can I find some turkeys? And they said, hey, you might try this area, or you might try this area, or there's some reports that there's some over here. And I said, okay, I, I'm going to go check that out. So it's, it's a Friday, I've got time off, and the drive is only about an hour away, and so I'm, I got time for that. So, so I drive down to where I think it is, and I'm following the directions that the Department of Wildlife gave me, and, and, and I get to the parking lot, and I'm getting excited, right? I'm pretty, I'm, I just know I'm going to find some birds today, and, and I'm really getting into it, right? So I grab my stuff, and I jump out of the car, and I start heading down the trail, and I walk for about 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, I run into this gate, and there's a fence. And, and I check my map, and it turns out that you have to go through this guy's private property for like a mile before you actually get to the state land. Well, they didn't tell me that at the Department of Wildlife. And I can't cross the, state, uh, the private land. I don't have permission for that. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do, right? So I'm looking at the map, and I'm going, well, you know... If I cross-country it, I think I can go up around this way and circumvent the private land and, and get onto this state land. So, so I'm going to try it, right? And I'm checking the map, and, and I find this area that looks like it's a little bit open, a little bit clear, and I'll be able to make my way up kind of through this dry creek bed ravine thing, right? And it looks good at, at first, and I start heading up that way because I'm determined to get to this area, right? I, I just I have to get there. I have to find turkeys. I have to shoot them before Brian does. So... I'm making my way up, and I'm making my way up this ravine, and it's a little bit rough and a little bit rocky, and then it gets a little bit worse, and then it gets a little bit harder, and it gets a little bit slower, and I roll my ankle a few times, and I, and, and I imagine you've had this moment where you're doing something, and there's a little voice in the back of your head, and it says, you should stop. You should turn around. 
this is not a good idea. Never happened to you? But I decided I knew better. And so I kept going, right? I kept making my way up this ravine, and pretty soon I couldn't go up the ravine anymore, and, and so I thought, well, you know, there's a ridge line up there, I'll make my way to the ridge line, and, and that'll take me up and around, and, and so I made my way up there, and, and I'm trying to avoid cactus, not, not the little cactus like we have here, not the little prickly pear things, but like these giant cactus, right, with thorns like this long, these, all these fingers coming out trying to grab my leg, right, and I'm, I'm just kind of making my way up, trying to avoid the cactus, and I'm doing okay, and, and pretty soon I, I find myself on this ledge and, and I've worked my way up to the ridge and I, and I get there and I realize I can't, I can't go forward anymore. Like I just, there's, there's, there's not a place to go. It just kind of ends. The trail, the, the, the ridge that I was on just kind of fades into nothing. I go, okay, no big deal. I look right and it's mountain and I'm going, well, I'm not going up that. And I look down and somehow I've managed to come up like 30 feet above this ravine. So I'm not going back down there. And I thought, well, this is, this is terrible, but I'll have to turn around and backtrack a little bit. So, so I do. I turn around, and I'm looking at how I got up here, and I'm going, I don't actually know how I got here. Because <laughs> I'm not going back down that. That ever happened to you? You ever find yourself in a situation, maybe it's not hiking, maybe it's not exploring the wilderness, but somewhere in your life, you just, you get to this point, and you're like, okay, I can't go this way, I can't go this way, I can't go this way, and I don't know how I got here. I'm stuck, and I don't know where to go from here. I I think we've all had an experience like that, where we just don't know what to do. And what I want to share with you this morning is something that Jesus said. And, And I think that if we will do this thing that Jesus said, I think if we will follow him the way he asks us to, that we can avoid some of those moments in life, that he'll guide us through them, he'll guide us away from them, that he'll keep us from those moments. And so we're going to be in the book of John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there, starting in verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put it up on the screen for you, um, and so you'll be able to follow along that way. Uh, But understand, before we just jump into the text, where we're at here. Jesus has spoken a few times in public now, and and, and word about him is starting to to get around, and there's kind of a buzz about who Jesus is and who he's not, and and, and amongst the people there, and amongst the Jews, and amongst the the religious leaders called the Pharisees, and and, and there's all this talk about Jesus, and nobody's really sure what's going on or, or who he is, but they all have kind of an opinion, and Jesus, it's in that context that Jesus gets up and says these words to all of the people there. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Man, doesn't that sound good? To never walk in darkness, to never lose your path, to never not know where you are, to be able to find your way all the time. Jesus is promising us here. I'm the light of the world. Follow me. You'll never walk in darkness. But before we can get to what that looks like, I think we need to understand all of what Jesus is saying. So in this context, there's these people in the crowd, they're, they're called Pharisees, they're religious leaders of the day, and, and, and they heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world, and, and I'm guessing that they probably were immediately reminded of a passage in Isaiah in chapter 9 where, Jesus, where there's a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And so they're hearing Jesus say, look, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one who was foretold, I'm the one who was coming, and, and they call him a liar. 
If we read on in chapter 8, we'll find that there's this big argument and debate about um, who Jesus is and, and his authority and whether or not he can claim this thing. And, and it goes on and, and through the chapter, and they go back and forth and back and forth. And in, in week 1, we looked at this verse in the end of chapter 8. Uh, I think it's verse 59, is that right? Um, 58, I was close. Um, at the very end of this chapter where Jesus says, Truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And in that moment, they know Jesus isn't just claiming to be the Messiah. He's not just claiming to be an advisor or a counselor. Jesus is claiming to be God himself. That name, I am, is the name that God called himself when he spoke to Moses in the burning bush. And we looked at this two weeks ago in the first week of this series. And you can go back and listen to that some more. But, but here's the point, right? Jesus is saying, look, I am God. And John's gospel would back that up. If we back up to chapter 1 of John, if we look at John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And Jesus claims to be that light. Not a light, the light. He claims to be God, the one who put the world together, the one who was there with God in the beginning. Who spoke the heavens into place. Who spoke and light came about in Genesis chapter 1. The one who said, let there be plants and animals. Let there be a life on the earth. The one who breathes into you, who keeps you breathing right now. The one who formed you when you were in your mom's body. The one who put you together. This is who Jesus is. He says, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a counselor. I'm not an advisor. I am God. And it matters. Because, like me, you probably have counselors and advisors in your life. I have a financial advisor. I talk to him about once a year about how I should diversify my portfolio, which is a joke because what he tells me is, you need more money. <laughs> my boss is in here, by the way. I just want to make sure you heard that, boss. Um, so, but I'm, I, it's not my words, it's the advisor. Anyway, so there's this advisor, right? And he tells me, he tells me what I should do, right? He says, hey, I think it would be a good idea if you put some money over here. It's probably a good idea if you do this. It's probably a good idea for you to look at your life insurance policy uh, and all these things, right? And he gives me this advice, but it's my decision at the end of the day, right? I take that advice and I go, hmm, I like what he said over there. I like what he said over there, but I'm not going to die, so I'm probably fine, Right? Like, I get to make that choice, right? Because he's not a dictator. He, he doesn't direct my life. He's an advisor. He's a counselor, right? He, he helps me to know what I should do. Some of you have doctors that give you advice. It's wise, by the way, to follow your doctor's advice. But sometimes you have to deviate, right? Because circumstances get in the way, right? Life gets in the way. But here's what Jesus says. I'm not your counselor. I'm not your advisor. I am the Lord your God. And so when I give you advice, it's not a suggestion. When, when I tell you what to do, when I say there's a right way to live, I don't mean if you want to. I'm God. I know what's going on. And so Jesus offers, and it's incredible to me that the God of the universe doesn't just expect us to figure it out and worship him blindly. He doesn't just say, hey, hey, look, I'm God, and I'm so much better than you, so you all just figure it out, right? That's not where he leaves us. What does Jesus say? Come follow me. I will show you 
the way. I will show you how to have the light that brings life. So Jesus offers to show us the way. He he offers to show us a better way, the right way, how we should live. In John 10.10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers us the right way to go. Now, here's what's interesting about that to me. I I think this plays out in in two ways, right? Because sometimes Jesus says, look, here's here's an absolute This is something that you have to follow. You have to do this thing. And sometimes that's the way that God shows us the way. This is the right way to do things. I want you to do these things all the time, right? But it doesn't always do. I mean, not everything is that way. Here's a good example. In my house, my wife and I mostly share doing the laundry. Not always, but mostly. I have a particular way that I like to do things. I like my shirts folded a certain way. I like, I like my pants hung a certain way. I, I'm a little bit particular about how I like my clothes. And so I have my way of doing the laundry. My wife has her way of doing the laundry. The wrong way. <laughs> Just kidding. She's in here. I have to be careful, right? In truth, like I've looked, guys. I, I have searched the scriptures for hours, looking for a passage that supports my position. And you know what I found out? God doesn't care about my laundry. I know, it's astonishing. But there's not a right way and a wrong way. God gives us freedom in those things to say, hey, look, there's, there's not a right way and a wrong way. But you know what there is a right way and a wrong way? There's a right way to talk to my wife about my preferences. There's a right way for us to have that conversation and there's a wrong way. There's a way that says I love you and I respect you and I'm appreciative of you and I'm thankful for the work that you do. There's a right way to have the conversation and a wrong way because what is the greatest commandment? We just talked about it with the baby dedication. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your strength and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. God cares more about how we treat people than anything else. And so there is a right way and a wrong way. And we like to think that there's not, right? We like to think that we can do things our own way, that, that your way is good for you and my way is good for you, but the truth is that God has a way that is right. And the way of man seems right to him, but in the end leads to his own destruction. And so there are areas where we need God's direction to say, this is how you should live. This is how you should do this. This is how you should do this. But the other way this plays out is that God will show us through the darkness when we can't figure it out on our own, right? Uh, Have have you ever walked through the dark? Like, have you ever walked through your house at night and and just been like, I'm not going to turn the lights because I don't want that brightness on me. I'm just going to go through, I'm going to go for it, right? You guys do this, right? I'm not the only one, right? The dog needs to go outside something, right? And so, so here's, there's two things that are guaranteed to happen if I walk through my house in the dark. You ready? Number one, I will not have my shoes on. Guaranteed. If I'm walking through the house in the dark, I will not have my shoes on. And number two, my son will have left Legos somewhere. Am I right? And I'm bound to find those things. But I tell you that, and it's kind of funny thinking about it that way, but the truth is, isn't life like that sometimes? There are areas where we don't know how to turn on the light. We haven't found the light. We can't, we can't get a clarity on this thing. We don't, we don't know. We don't know which way to go. We don't know how to go. We don't know how to get down from the mountain sometimes. 
And we need God not only to give us direction in the rules and say, hey, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, but we also need his direction through the areas of life that we can't see. When I was stuck on that mountain, I'd say I was doing really good. Like I was okay. I, I turned around and I thought, okay, I can't get down. It's not a big deal. I'll figure it out. Like I got up here. I can get myself down. I'll figure it out. And I thought, you know, let me just take a break for a minute. Let me grab a snack. So I get my bag and I go to get the kind bars that I've packed for this particular trip. And I realize in that moment that all of my food is in my car. So I think, well, I should, let's drink on that. And so I go to grab one of my bottles, and I realize that one of my bottles is empty, and the other one is half full. So now I'm getting a little bit concerned. And then I start to think, hey, it's okay. Like, I've rolled my ankle several times, but I haven't fallen yet. I haven't sprained it. It's not too bad. I'm a little bit sore, but I can probably still figure this out. And then I realize, like, it just starts to dawn on me that, There is not a single person in the world who knows where I am right now. I kind of, sort of, almost told my wife where I was going, but not really. I mean, not that I was hiding it. I just didn't tell her. I just went because I'm a guy. It's what we do, right? And so I'm here, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die right here on this mountain. That's what's going to happen. And I said, okay, okay, God, I got it. I got the lesson. Sometimes, man, I'm just a little thick, and so God has to like speak to me in these really big ways and like put me in awkward situations so that I can hear him. It's not fun. But so, um, so I'm on the mountain, and I'm like, okay, God, I got it. Like, I got it. I should, I should have listened to the voice. I shouldn't have kept going. I should have turned around when you told me to turn around. I, sh- I should have listened. But we're here now. How do I get out of here? And so slowly, slowly, I made my way back down, back down this hill, back down the mountain, looking one step at a time, one step, looking for the next step, the next step, the next step. And I came to this point where there was a fork. I could have gone two ways. I could have gone down more, or I could have gone kind of up this little hill on the mountain. And and I came to this point, and I just realized I have no idea. I, I have no idea where to go at this point. And I said, I said, God, tell me which way to go. Do I go up or do I go down? And I'm thinking in the back of my head, please stay down because I'm tired and I don't want to walk up the hill and my knees hurt and I'm hot and it's shady down there. And so I'm thinking, like, I already have an answer for God in my head, right? And I'm like, God, show me which way to go. And, 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 I, and I said, whichever way. And he said, go up the hill. Oh. But I learned my lesson the first time. And so I walked up the hill, and there, after walking just about 20 feet in front of me, it opened up, and I could see the trail that I'd come off of, and I could see the path down to the trail. If I had gone down, I would have been stuck in another ravine and had to climb out and almost dig my way out, full of cactus and all this overgrowth and all this, this craziness. And, and it seems silly that God would care about getting me off of that mountain, but he does care. He cares about every aspect of our life. And if we're willing to listen to him, he's willing to show us the way. He's willing to show us uh, uh, how to get where he wants us to go, how how to get to where we need to go. He's willing to take us there, right? But there's a problem with following God. The problem for us is that it requires us to do what Jesus said in John 8, to follow the light, to step into the light, 
And we don't like stepping into the light. We think we like the light, but what we actually like is controlled light. What I actually like to do is turn on certain lights in my house so that I can see and leave certain lights in my house off so that you can't see the mess in the closet. Right? But it didn't work that way. God says, I'm the light of the world. You will never walk in darkness. There is nothing that is dark. When God enters in, but we try to keep these things hidden. We don't want to step into the light. See, see, stepping into the light means stepping into reality. The truth is, I was never safe on that mountain. I, there was never a time when I was doing uh, the right thing on that mountain. There's never a time when I, I, when I could have gotten out of there on my own. The whole time I was pursuing, essentially, death, going up that canyon, up that ridge. And, and I could have listened to God and turned around. I could have found out, hey, let's do a reality check here. Nobody knows where you are. You have no water. You have no food. You've rolled your ankle three times. Turn around and go home, you moron. That's reality, right? But I ignored the reality. And this is what we do in so many aspects of our life. We don't actually want to know the truth. When I was young, I had a checking account. And as long as there was money in my checking account, I had money, right? Didn't matter that I wrote 15 checks yesterday. Right now, it says there's a thousand bucks. We're going out to dinner. The reality check came when I bounced a check. But there never was money there. The reality was it wasn't actually there. And here's what God says. Look, when you step into the light, you step into reality. But we don't want to step into reality. Because we want to keep our stuff hidden. We want to keep this one sin. There's this one thing that I just... I just want to hold on to this. I know, I know that God says it leads to destruction, but, but, but I'm ignoring that. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear that because my way is better, I think, in this, in this one particular area. Or, or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's this area over here. It's our finances, and we go, you know what? God doesn't really need to know about my money, right? It's, it's my business, not his. I'll follow God over here, but over here, this is staying in the dark because I don't actually want to know. But here's what happens, right? Jesus says, bring it into the light. I want to show you what's real. I'm God. I know what it is. Bring it into the light so I can show you the truth of it. But we don't want to bring it into the light because it's scary. It's terrifying to let people see our junk, isn't it? To to think that that we might be exposed, that that this stuff might come out, that somebody might actually find out, right? Or or if we're not embarrassed about it, we just don't want to let it go yet, right? And and we choose to believe the lie like I did, that that I can hold this thing in the back and still follow God. I can hold this thing back here and I can still pursue Jesus, right? I can still get on the internet at 2 o'clock in the morning and look at stuff I got no business looking at and still follow Jesus, and still have the life he promised me. I can speak to my wife however I want to when the door's closed and still be in a great marriage, right? That's what we want to think. We can do these things off on the side and keeping them in the dark. But the truth is, you're not fooling God. You might be fooling your spouse. You might be fooling your kids. You might even be fooling yourself into believing that you have a reality that works. But you're not fooling God. There is nothing that is dark to him. The darkness is not dark to him. The night is as bright as day. He already knows the stuff. And what he says is bring it into the light so I can set you free from it. Bring it into this place so that I can deal with it. Bring it into this place so that we can move forward, so that you can have the life that I want to give you, so you can have the life that I promised for you. But we're scared to bring it into the light, aren't we? Terrified. 
I'm terrified that one day I'm going to wake up and realize that people can really see the real me and nobody's going to love me. I'm terrified that if people saw what really went on in my head, that that they would reject me. But here's the thing God says, that that's not going to happen. In John chapter 3, just a few chapters before this, we read this in verse 18. This is what he says. Whoever believes in him, uh, sorry, that's not the right one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And then let's jump to 19. What he says in 19 is this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. And then following up in 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Isn't that the truth? We are scared to death that we will be exposed. But what did he say just before this? Go back to 17. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. See, there's no condemnation when you step into the light. There's no need to fear the exposure. I want to finish the story here as you guys write this down. We fear this exposure, right? We fear that we're going to come into the light and be exposed and be abandoned by God. But what we actually find there is freedom. And Jesus illustrates this in a real-life scenario at the, um, as we continue on in this story. He's had this argument with the Pharisees in 8, and then in 9, he comes across a man who was born blind. He heals the guy. The guy goes back to the Pharisees, and now there's a new conversation. And we're going to pick up at the very end of this conversation, John nine thirty nine. Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. And this is what the Pharisees said. What? Are we blind too? And this is Jesus' response. Don't miss this. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. See, see when we want to say, hey, God, uh, here's my stuff, except I'm keeping all this hidden, right? I, I'm, I'm ignoring this back here. I, I'm pretending that this isn't real. All this stuff that I keep in the backstage, all this stuff in the closet, we're, we're doing exactly what Jesus said to the Pharisees. We're pretending that we can see. We're pretending that we live in reality, and the guilt of this stuff remains. But if we bring it into the light, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, let me tell you, there's three ways this goes down. Way number one. You take your stuff out of your closet and you bring it to God and you put it in the light and you put it in reality and you say, God, I have not done what I was supposed to do. I have not lived the way I was supposed to live. I have this thing that I've kept from you and you bring it to God and he heals you and he brings redemption. And I'm not saying it's easy because there are consequences in this world for the things that we've done, right? I'm not saying it's easy to bring it into the light, but we can bring it ourselves into the light and say, God, deal with this. Here's the other way it goes down. God, because he loves you and is merciful, will shine a spotlight on it and he will out you. Anybody ever had that happen? Right? I've heard stories of guys who say, yeah, yep, I was on the computer. My wife walked in on me. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. It's merciful because once it's in the light, it can be dealt with. It can be brought into reality. It can be forgiven. It can be, you can move on and find the life that God has for you. But here's the third way. And the third way that this gets dealt with is a way that you don't want. 
Because the third way Paul describes for us in Romans, he says, look, at some point, if you refuse to return to God, if you refuse to bring it into the light, if you are just so bent on this thing, he will turn it over to you. God will turn you over to your sin and it will destroy you. And I've watched it happen. In the last several months, a good friend of mine has made choices that have led to his destruction. He's ignored reality. And his marriage is falling apart. And his relationship with his kids is destroyed. His whole life has been destroyed because he chose to ignore reality and God allowed him to pursue that sin until it consumed him. I know it's terrifying to bring it into the light. But it's worth it. Because in the light, there's healing. In the light, there's freedom. In the light, there's forgiveness. We hold on to it, and we end up fearing the light. We end up being afraid because we have to manage now our fear. We become a slave to that fear and a slave to that sin because nobody can find out. Because if they did, then I would be exposed. But here's the truth, guys. We're afraid of being exposed. But what God told me this week that he wanted you to hear, if you don't hear anything else that I say, listen to this one thing. Because this is the thing that God directly told me to tell you this week. When we step into the light, it's not our junk that God sees, but the blood of Christ that covers us. See, the truth is, we're afraid of being exposed. But Jesus Christ, the only one who who was able to keep the law, the only one who was able to walk in the light his whole life, the only one who was able to do it perfectly, Jesus Christ went to the cross on your behalf. He died in your place. He took your sin, your punishment, what you deserved on himself, and part of that was exposure. Do you realize that you don't have to be exposed? Because when Jesus went to the cross, they ripped his clothes off of him, and they, um, they gambled over who would get them. Jesus was exposed for you. You are not abandoned because Jesus was abandoned for you on the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was abandoned so you don't have to be. And Jesus died so that you could have the life that God wants for you. But it requires that you step into the light, that you bring it all out and let God deal with it.